hold it up real high. All right, because we're doing a double dip right off the bat this morning, okay? So with that other finger, turn in the Bible to John chapter number 5, verse 19. So we got you in Luke 9 and John 5. Luke 9 and John 5. And as you're finding those two verses of scriptures, we know that we are raising eternal and community hope, and we want you to lead someone to the Lord Jesus Christ this year. We're igniting nations around the world. We're impacting a four-state area. We're influencing culture within a 20-mile radius. And thank you for all of you who showed up this past Tuesday night at the city council meeting the first reading passed with a unanimous vote to implement a city ordinance that will help set people free from financial bondages and from predatory lending here in our area so we're already raising the standard of what churches should do we are the light of the world a city set on a hill that cannot be hidden the churches should be so influential so culture changing that we raise our city to another standard that makes us the light of the world a place that cannot be hidden because of all the goodness that God is doing right here at TWBC. And so as we jump into this new series called Encounter and you're turning in your Bibles to the Gospel of Luke chapter number 9, Luke chapter number 9, I'm going to read this and this is one of my favorite accounts in the whole Bible. It's the Mount of Transfiguration. In the Mount of Transfiguration some amazing things happen and I really want us to do this this morning and listen to the verbiage I'm about to use. I really want us to see what God is going to tell us today. I want us to see what God is going to tell us today. And you'll find out why I use that verbiage here in just a minute. So, Father, we want to see what you're trying to tell us today. The Bible says this in Luke chapter 9, verse number 28. It says, about eight days after these sayings, he took with him Peter and John and James and went up on the mountain to pray. And as he was praying, the appearance of his face was altered and his clothes became dazzling white. And behold, two men were with him, Moses and Elijah. And uh, who, or who appeared in glory and spoke of his departure, in which was now about to accomplish at Jerusalem. Now Peter and those who were with him were heavy with sleep. But when they became fully awake, everybody say fully awake. Fully awake. They saw his glory and the two men stood with him. And as, they were, and as they were parting from him, Peter said to Jesus, Master, is it good that we are here? Let us make three tents for you, one for Moses, one for you, and one for Elijah, not knowing what he said. And as he was saying these things, a cloud came and overshadowed them, and they were afraid as, it, as they entered the cloud. And a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him. And when the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone, and they kept silent and told no one in those days of anything what they had seen. Now jump on over to John chapter number, John chapter number 5. John chapter number 5, as we read verse number 19, and it says this, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, the Son does likewise. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all that he himself is doing, and greater works than these will he show him so that you may marvel." Now, I brought up these two passages of scriptures for a, a, a massive reason. I want us to begin to see what God is doing, more than just perceive it, but really see it. I believe that there's more to it than we're actually walking in. And so the one takeaway I want to give you this morning, and the only thing I want you to leave with this morning is this. There is more to it. Amen. There is more to it. There is more to it than what we are currently seeing, and we don't even realize it. There's more to it. And what do I mean by that? There's more to your drive than work than, than you realize. There's more to it. 
But Joel, it's just a drive to work. I do the same thing every day. I stop by my convenience store and get my cup of coffee and then I go drop the kids off at school and then I go to my workplace where I'm there by 7.59 in the morning to walk in and sit down and begin my work day at eight o'clock. Can I tell you there's more to it than you just doing your normal routine? I believe with all my heart this wasn't the first time that they were at this mountain. But something specific happened this time at this mountain. And I want you to realize there's more to your drive to work than you're giving it credit for. There's more to it. And I want you to see what God is trying to show you on your drive to work about your city. There's more to it than just doing what you've always done. There's more to getting ready in the morning than just getting ready in the morning. There's more to it. And I want you to see what God is trying to show you as you're getting ready in the morning. There's more to it. When you look in the mirror and you're fixing your hair, whether you be man or woman, unless you're bald, come on now, there's more to it. There's more to it than we're getting out of it because I don't believe God wants to just have an encounter with you on Sunday morning when the worship team hits the third song and the third bridge and the pastor says, sit and rest in his presence. I believe he wants to have an encounter with you every single minute of every single hour of every single day of every single year of every single part of your life. There's more to it, but we're not seeing it. And Peter and John and James had the same problem. And so as we go into this series this morning, I want us to clarify something just for a moment. Because ever since Super Sunday, I have not mentioned one time the new facility. And many people have been asking me questions. Joel, why are you not talking about this? Why are you not dealing with this? Why are you not bringing it before the church? Because I wanted the church to realize one thing. The facility is just a building that we're building. The church is the people in it. And we will not lose focus of the people in it to build something outside of it. And so I intentionally, specifically from the day we launched it, and everybody says, but you should have capitalized on the momentum. You're not a marketing plan for me. You're not a marketing plan. I intentionally have not mentioned it and not addressed it for this one simple reason, because I want you to know as people of TWBC that our priority is people. It's always been people. It's winning people to Jesus Christ. It's bringing people into the kingdom of God. It's setting God's people free. It's helping them see all that God's called them to be. And the building is just that. It's just wood, hay, and stubble, and sticks that's going to be built right over there. But our priority is you in the seats. And so I've had pastors tell me I've been silly, I've been dumb, but I tell them you're not my marketing plan. I'm not trying to get you emotionally hyped up to give a lot of money to do something. I'm trusting Jesus to do everything. And I want to clarify what God is really saying as we do this because today I do want to talk just for a minute about where God is bringing us with the new facility. But let's realize this. In Mark 2.27, the Bible says, And he said to them, Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. The building is made for the people, not people for the building. So in two and a half years from now, or whenever we go into this new facility and it's going to be an amazing day of celebration, I don't want you to feel like, all right, I guess my mission at TWBC is done because the building's built. No, the building is made for people. The people are not made for the building. The building is made for us to use as a tool to reach this area, to influence culture, to impact the four states, to ignite nations around the world. It's going to be an amazing, beautiful, wonderful thing. But if we lose focus and think people are made to take care of a building rather than a building be there as a tool to launch people into kingdom purposes, we've missed it all the way around. And I want us to see, literally see what God is going to do over the next two and a half years as a church as we focus on people and not facilities. And listen, people are not projects to be fixed. They're individuals to be loved. 
And people are not made to go fund a building. A building is built to facilitate the growth of the church and what God is trying to launch and what God is doing right here at TWBC. And so as we go into this, and as we go into this series, we're going to talk about all the things that God did to have an encounter with his people. The only reason we're building a new facility is so more people can have an encounter with the Father. I know God can talk to you anytime, anywhere, any place, and he wants to do it anytime, anywhere, any place. But many times that starting place is in the church house. And so as we do this, I want us to recap why we're doing what we're doing because our first core value as a church is this. Our DNA is this. By creating an environment for divine connection, connecting with the Father, we develop quality relationships with one another and experience life in Christ together. As we go through this whole process over the next two and a half years, I want us to do it together. And in the end, be better together than we were when we started. I don't want it to be like the horror stories I hear about married couples building houses. If we would have known what our marriage was going to go through, we would have never built a house. I don't want it to be like that. Somebody who's building houses, amen. Or somebody's in the process of it. I even had an awesome woman of God come in this morning. I said, hey, how you doing? She's like, I'm okay. We're in the middle of a remodel. And I said, well, is it about done? It's like, well, it's about to be done or we're about to be done. Amen. I'm, I'm telling you. I don't want that to be the church in two and a half years when we get done with it. Everybody's like, oh, I'm glad we're done with that. No, I want it to be a launching point that we're about to be and do and become all that God's called us to do. So as we go into all the things we're going to go into, the facility isn't an idol and it's not a holy shrine. It's a tool. Don't ever think of it as anything else. This building is not an idol. It's not a holy shrine. It's a tool for the kingdom of God. Joel, do you not care that, that we got to repaint the walls in this building every single year because a kid scribbled on it with crayon? No, it's a tool. Yeah. Yeah. And that's part of the cost of doing ministry. So I'm telling you, do not make this or what we're about to do a holy shrine or an idol in your life because it's a building. It will always just be sticks and metal. And that's all it's ever going to be. But when we ask the presence of God to inhabit sticks and metal, an encounter with people happens. And we begin to watch what God is calling us to do. The facility isn't a Christian retirement home or a country club. We're not building a Christian retirement home or a country club. We're not building it. We are building something that is functional for the kingdom of God. It is designed to be a training environment to equip and send out people. We are kingdom expanders, not kingdom squatters. We're not building a country club. We're not building something that everybody just comes and we want people to keep coming and coming and coming and coming and sitting and being a squatter in the kingdom of God. No, we want to build something and design it in such a way that you come in, you get trained and you get equipped and you get uncomfortable because we're filling it up to send you back out. I didn't want to build something where we had 1,500 classrooms on it that we use one hour of one day a week and we come in and get comfortable and with my four and no more. That is not the purpose. As we launch into this process of building this new facility, we're not building a country club. We're not making it a social environment. There will be social aspects to it, yes, because we want relationships to form. But we are called to be kingdom expanders in the kingdom of God. And a lot of people want to build a nice big building so we can sit out it and squat in it and do nothing else. You know what a squatter is, right? Somebody that inhabits a place and doesn't ever leave. 
You know, it's kind of like the, the, the family member that moves in and doesn't ever want to get out because they got it so good. I, I didn't want that to be with this facility. And so I've had people say, well, why didn't you add this? Why didn't we put this on? Why didn't we make this happen? Why didn't we build more? Why didn't we build bigger? Why didn't we have this? Because it's not supposed to be a country club or a retirement home. It's supposed to be a place for you to get trained and go out. And when by the time we're done building this one, if we got to start on the next one because we've been training and sending out, let's do it. I want to be always a kingdom expanding mindset in the kingdom of God. And watch what God does. It's not about personal space. Come on now. It is not about personal space, but it is about making a place for everyone. It's not about personal space. Well, I wanted this in there. It wasn't about your personal space. I'm sorry. Well, Pastor Joel, you should have a bigger office. It's not about my personal space. Joel, you should have your own private bathroom. It's not about my personal space. I've been told all these things. Why don't you give yourself something bigger, better? Because it's not about my personal space. It's about making a place for everyone to encounter the presence of the Father. And, and bless the Lord, I can use the bathroom like everybody else. I mean... I'm being honest here. I'm not a king riding in on a horse. I'm your pastor that's walking through the trenches with you. It's not about a, my, my space. It's about a place for everyone. And heaven forbid the day I get to heaven, and if we spent so many thousands of dollars for me to have a personal bathroom, but somebody went to hell, was my private poop install worth it? Absolutely not. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Give him a hand clap of praise. I mean, I don't understand where ministry has become so starstruck and rock star and superstardom that a pastor can't stand at the back door and shake hands with people and be a part of the people. I mean, when I read about Jesus walking through the scriptures, man, he had people around him all the time, and I kind of like that philosophy. Okay? But just realize there's... a. 800 other people who want to shake my hand too, okay? And so I'm making very pointed and blunt statements before we even get into this because I want everybody very clear on the, on the whole reason we're doing this. The whole reason we're doing this is specifically for one reason. It's not about anybody's personal space. It is about making a place for everyone to come in and receive, first of all, an encounter with the Father. Get trained and equipped in the things of God. Because the Bible says this, he's given apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to equip the saints, find a place of training, to do the work of the ministry, to go out and transform a community, to influence a culture, and to impact a four-state area and ignite nations around the world. So I specifically have been very uh, strategic and pointed about what we've done up to this point after we launched it, but actually, as we're going into it now, I want to make very clear that everybody understands the perspective that God's given us as a church on what we're doing. It's not about big and glamorous and glorious and country club and retirement home, and it's a tool. And nothing more. The important thing is the people. The important thing is what God's going to do through you in it. And so here's the plan. Here's the plan as we move forward at TWBC with all that he's going to do in the facilities. It's this. By the end of the year, we'd like to raise $165,000. What does that cover? It just covers the blueprints. It's just the construction documents. 
By the end of the year, we want to have all the construction documents in place. Before we launch into even breaking ground or anything, we want to have a third of the cost in the bank. So get in your head, 1.5. And it's got zeros after that, okay? It's just not 1.5, okay? We want a third of the cost in the bank before we ever break ground. We're believing by faith. And if you got a $1.5 million check burning a hole in your pocket, this is the place to put it, I promise. It's good soil. I mean, we're building a tool for the kingdom of God, amen. And I'm not going to shy away from that, but we're going to trust God for this. By the time we break ground and by the time uh, um, we get into it, we want to have it completely debt-free. That is our heart's desire. Be completely debt-free by the time we unlock that building. Our 2020 vision is to walk into a brand new building completely debt-free. That's where we're headed. That's what we're believing for. That's what we're pressing into. This is bigger than I've ever thought of. So if you ask me, how are we going to do this? I'm going to say, by faith. (laughs) By faith. We're going to do what he tells us to do physically because we've pressed into him by faith spiritually. And so I want us to all be on the same page moving forward. So from this point on, if God's calling you to give to to the TWBC tool that we're building, the new facility, begin to go ahead and write checks for whatever dollar amount you want, and and we'll put it in a special place, and we'll start building funds to, to, to raise money to get the construction documents in place before the end of this year. So that way, when we roll into the next year, we know exactly where we're headed. We're making the vision plain. We're writing it down. We're keeping it clear as we move forward. But as we move forward, I want you to realize our perspective will never get off people. Our perspective will always stay where it's supposed to be, right here with the people God has given us at TWBC to change the community that we're in, to influence the culture, to impact the four-state area, to ignite nations around the world. That's where we're headed. That's what we're doing. And we're going to accomplish it by having encounters with God moving forward. If you agree with that, give God a hand clap of praise. Amen. So now as we jump into the message this morning, this is why I wanted us to see what God is actually showing us. Because as you read this passage of scripture in Luke chapter number nine, and you jump into verse 32, it says, now Peter and those who were with him were heavy with sleep. Now, I find that ironic. I mean, I can understand on a morning like this where it's cloudy and the cool front came through and everybody's here. And I can understand being heavy with sleep. I'm believing for summer right around the corner. Thank you, Jesus. Come on now. But on that, here's what I want. It's the people, Peter, John, and James were with the Son of God himself. And they were heavy with sleep. They didn't see what Jesus was seeing because they were heavy with sleep. And so as we talk this morning, I want to tell you it is completely possible to be fully awake physically and asleep spiritually. It is completely possible to be fully awake spiritually and asleep physically, but it's also possible to be asleep physically and fully awake spiritually because God still speaks through dreams. He has encounters with you through dreams. So it's, it is very possible to be fully awake physically, like many of us are here this morning drinking coffee, but you never hear or see what the Father wants you to hear or see. You're hearing intellect and information. You're not hearing revelation and the voice of the Father speaking to you through an encounter. That's why many people can leave here and say, great message, I was inspired. I don't want you to just be inspired. I want it to be revealed. I want you to be enlightened. I want your eyes to be opened. That's what it actually means, to be enlightened on something. Now listen, it is so possible to be entertained and made comfortable by church that you fall into lethargy and even fall asleep. You get lethargic in your Christian walk. Sometimes I think we make it too comfortable in church. 
Can I get an amen on that one? <laughs> Obviously, nobody agrees. <laughs> sometimes I think we got it a little bit too good in church sometimes. Oh, I'm running a few minutes late. It's okay. I'll just miss the first worship song. I can't believe they closed the coffee station down before I even got my coffee. Sometimes I think we make it too comfortable. I think I would have an uprising if y'all walked in next Sunday and every chair was completely gone. I said, sit on the floor. I think I would have people leave and say, this church ain't for me. Right? It is possible, it is completely possible that we in the Western culture have made church so comfortable and so convenient that we've literally lulled people to sleep in the body of Christ through being lethargic and actually giving them too much and not making them press into the things of God on their own. See, a lot of you think if I don't answer my phone, pastor just doesn't care and just doesn't love me. No, you made it through your last problem without me, you'll make it through this one. But that's not being a good pastor. You should be there whenever I got a problem. No, I shouldn't. I'm not your personal Jesus. You call on his name. He can answer you. He will. He wants to. And I find it weird that we look at the Old Testament and say, oh, how great it is. We don't have to go through a priest to talk to God. But you sure ask me a lot of questions that you should just ask him. And I'm not being ugly. I mean, I'm just being real. Because if we want to really see what God is trying to show us, why don't we talk to the one who wants to show us something? And sometimes we've made it too comfortable. And it's too easy and it's too convenient. Oh, if I miss church this morning, I'll catch the live stream at 1030. The live stream isn't for you to skip. It's to reach those who wouldn't be here anyway. The live stream isn't an excuse for you not to get out of bed. It's to help those who never would have a chance to hear the gospel, hear the gospel. That's what the live stream is for. It's not for your convenience. It's for the people who would never hear about Christ. And if you got your phone, everybody pull your phone out just for a minute. And on your phone, I guarantee you everybody has a social media app of some kind, almost everybody. I can't say everybody. I know my father does not have it. And I call him one of the wisest men I've ever met in my life. And being all serious on that. But if you pull out your phone and you have a social media app, just, just everybody, just, I'm not dogging on Facebook. Facebook's just the big dog so he gets picked on, okay? And so if you have your Facebook app, even pull up your Facebook app. Hey, Damon, it's Keith Mitchell's birthday today, by the way. If you didn't, I just I pulled it up on Facebook. It's the first thing that popped up. It is completely possible in this place that we're getting so much worldly input that we've been lulled to sleep and have no spiritual output. It is completely possible for this to be happening in your life. You have so much input Good, bad, or otherwise. Well, I only got good things on my Facebook feeds. Right? It is so completely possible that we've lulled people to sleep because we're getting so much input through worldly means that we get no output spiritually. I believe God wants to change that. God does not want to talk to you through Facebook. He wants to talk to you through his presence, which is face-to-face. And sometimes he'll do it through his book. Right? So on this... 
It is possible that you spend so much time on this. Hey, G Lane, what's up, man? He's one of my pastor friends. He should be preaching right now. What? Come on, come on. Yeah. This is this is our life. True stat. One of the best professions to start going into is being a chiropractor, because they see people now with more neck issues than ever because they've equated it to this. Yeah. It's true. Talk to your chiropractor. They're having more people with neck issues, and they're realizing it's because of this. You weren't supposed to live like this. You're supposed to live like this. It is completely possible to be lulled to sleep in church because we're getting so much worldly input that we have no spiritual output in any of these things. And when this Sermon on the Mount is so intriguing to me because Jesus wanted them to have spiritual output, but even the Son of God couldn't keep people awake. And if Jesus couldn't do it, I'm not giving myself a free pass. But I often look, did they get so comfortable with Jesus, they didn't even see what the Father was wanting them to see sometimes? Did they get so comfortable in their environment that we know we're with the Son of God that they missed the Son of God sometimes? Jesus said this. That's why I read the scripture out of John chapter 5, and it's one of my favorite verses that I live by. Jesus could only do what he could see his Father doing. And I don't believe that that was an illustrative word. I believe that was literally seeing with the sense of his spirit, man, and his perceptibility to see and to hear and see what the Father's actually doing, what, what, what Mom said with Freedom Ministries, from the place of heaven and bring heaven to a place in earth and do what the Father's doing. So that means anytime Jesus healed somebody on the earth, he saw the Father doing it in heaven. And I don't believe it was just illustrative. I believe he literally saw it. Because you got a greater sight than your two eyes. It's called the man of the spirit on the inside of you. And your spirit man has got to wake up and get out of lethargic, Nick. Wake up and come out and get to a place where you begin to encounter the Father because he wants to encounter you. Man, I woke up at 4.30 this morning and the first thing God said to me was this, tell him to come out. And this is how God speaks. He gives me a word, then he gives me a scripture. He said, tell him to come out. And, he, and immediately the, the, the scripture of Lazarus said, come forth. That God is calling people out of asleep and dead places Amen. to a place of freedom and coming awake to things that they used to be dead to. Can I tell you that Lazarus' perspective after the tomb was completely different than before he went in the tomb? Yeah. I'm just telling you it was. If you don't believe me, go read the story. <laughs> You can't be the same when you've been dead and came back to life. I'm telling you, he was different. So in this process, I want us to realize this. The place that we're talking about. We think his encounter is limited to a place, and it's not. An encounter is only limited to the extent of our perceptibility. You realize why I said there's more to it? When you're driving down the road, if you'll open up your spiritual perceptibility, you'll see things that God wants to tear down in the city and things God wants to build up in the city. Yes. For example, I'll tell you exactly what I saw the other day. I was, I was, I was driving, not even to church or, or anywhere in the city. I was just driving, and, and immediately I was in Sulphur Springs, but I was walking up into the square, and I looked, and there was a black staircase in the bottom two steps that said greed and lust. That's what our city is built on a lot of times, greed and lust. Yeah. And that's something God wants to tear down. Amen. Yeah. 
But how did I see that? Because God was showing me something. He was doing it. I had an encounter, and it was more than just a drive. But you got to open up yourself to the possibility that on my drive, he wants to drive something home in my spirit. That the possibility is there that God is, is it really possible, Pastor, that God is always wanting to speak? Yes, it is. It's just we got to position ourselves. And listen listen to this. Lethargy will crush perceptibility. And if we've been lulled to sleep by Facebook apps and, 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 and informational apps and even news feeds on our phone and so just a, a massive import, imparting of information that the world has. Have you ever noticed you can't even watch a, a news broadcast anymore and just watch the broadcast? They got a bar over here showing the stock market. They got a scrolling headline across the bottom. And if those two things weren't there, you're bored and you're changing the channel. Yeah, that's good. Uh, the amount of input that, that is lulling us to sleep as believers, it's crushing our perceptibility to what God is really trying to show us. And throughout this whole series of encounter, I want you to get real accustomed to having an encounter with the Father. And when you have dreams at night, wake up in the morning and say, Father, was that dream from you or was that just bad chicken? <laughs> yeah. Right? Because not everything in your dream is from God. Some of it is bad chicken, okay? Or spaghetti or whatever you ate. But could it just be possible that you're so busy during the day, God can't help but speak to you when you sleep because it's the only time that you slow down enough from getting input and you're not lulled to sleep by the things of the world, that he's got to speak to you at night. Now, I want that to kind of sink in. Am I so busy with my busy and my information that my perceptibility is so low that I can't even see what the Father's doing, that he's got to wait till I'm physically asleep so he can speak to the spirit, the real man on the inside of me, because you are a spirit, you possess a soul, mind, will, and emotions, and you live in a physical body called an earth suit, a shell. And is it possible that this and this have to shut down before he actually has an opportunity to speak into the man that will actually make a difference, and that's the spirit man on the inside of me? And I'll confess to you, I've been in that place before where the father says, Joel, I can't even speak to you sometimes because you're so busy. And I've had to change the way I do a lot of stuff in my life because I want to be more perceptibility of what God is doing than what I'm doing. And listen, I said this in the last series and I want to say it in this series too. A.W. Tozer said this, and it really hit home to me. The tragedy of the church is that from childhood to old age, men have only known a synthetic God, compounded of only logic and theology, having no eyes to see or ears to hear. And I'm going to tell you, you'll get what you're looking for. It proves out on your social media. You'll get exactly what you're looking for. If you're looking for bad, you'll find it all over social media. If you're looking for good, you'll find it all over social media. But it's the same principle in the spirit. If you're looking for things in the spirit, I can begin to pick out issues all over the place as spiritual issues. But if we're looking for good in the realm of the spirit, I can find a lot of good stuff in the realm of the spirit. And it's also true, if I look for God, I'll find him. The problem is, has I been, have I been looking for him? Or am I getting so much worldly input that I'm having no spiritual output? Now, let's get back on the, the social media just for a second. Everybody got your phone back out? Hold your phone up. If you got social media on there. Well, people are blowing up my phone text messages during church today. As I look at this, 
If the only fruit of your Christian walk is a Facebook post from time to time, if that's the only fruit of your Christian walk, I want you to ask yourself, is it really fruit or is it false courage? Because a lot of you will say stuff on here that you'll never say to somebody face to face. And if the, only, if the only display of your faith is a Facebook post, I'm going to call junk on that. I'll just keep it proper. I'll call junk on that. And I'm not saying it's a Facebook post. It's a fake book post. Come on. Yeah, that's good. It's fake book for many of you. Because what you do on here is not the person you really are. Yeah. And many times you're trying to mask who you really are by what you put on your fake book page. Because what you put on here, you would never say to somebody face to face. And, it, and if this has done so much damage in the body of Christ, I believe it's called, uh, caused false courage to come up because now I've got an avenue to vent or do whatever I want and get it out there, but I really don't got to man up and, and talk to somebody and have a relationship. I really don't got to be accountable for what I say. I'm just going to put it out there because I was in a moment of rage and I'll be able to justify it because I was just in a bad place. I mean, has our Christian walk come to this? Because then it's not even a Christian walk, it's a Christian post. Then it's not even a Christian walk, it's a Christian blurb. Now, I'm not saying quit putting all your scriptures out there, but if you put a scripture on Facebook, you need to tell somebody that scripture five times in person throughout the day. Hey, did you screen the scripture I posted this morning? The Bible says this, da 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 why are we so bold through a Facebook post, but we can't be bold in person? And I believe it's causing a, a great detriment to the body of Christ with false courage being implemented and false uh, uh, precepts going out there that we think we're great people of faith. But when it comes right down to it, we won't stand up for the gospel in a public setting or in a public forum and say, this is what is truly right. I want you to see what the Father's doing. And if the only example we have is through what we've posted on social media, is it really faith? Is it really a Christian walk at all? Is it Facebook that is driving your spirituality? What drives your call to be with the Father? And what I mean by that, it's many pastors fall into the same victim. We have, in a, relation, we have a relationship with the Father only because we've got to have a message on Sunday. Many pastors fall into that. I mean, ask anybody who preaches. I've fell into that trap before. I've got to stay in good graces with God because I've got to have a message by Sunday morning. <laughs> oh, I've had to repent. I mean, I'm not going to lie to you. But if the only reason I'm in a relationship with the Father is so I can preach on Sunday morning, that's a bad place. If your Christian faith is dictated by your Facebook pages and posts, and listen, I'm, I'm just picking on Facebook because it's the big dog, it's the top of the hill. But you got a billion other avenues out there as well. And my heart wants to change things this morning because Jesus said this, and I want the worship team to come and just begin to play as I do this last point. Our prayer many times is this, God use me. And Mitch, if y'all just start playing softly in the background. 
Our prayer many times is this, God use me. When the only request Jesus ever had was follow me. I I wanna drive this point home. Our prayer is always God use me. When Jesus' only request was Joel, follow me. Because a lot of us, we want to follow Jesus 50% of the time, but get the benefit of it 100% of the time. We want to follow him when we want to, and we want to be used by him when we want to. We want to be a a part of a kingdom movement when we want to, but that wasn't Jesus' prayer. Jesus' prayer was, follow me. Our prayer is, use me. But can I tell you, if we'll really start following him, he'll really start using us in a way we've never been used before. We'll see things we've never seen before. We'll do things we've never done before. And listen to this verse of scripture. The Bible says in Matthew 4, 19, and Jesus looked at Peter and said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. He did not say this, follow me and you'll eventually arrive at your calling and your gifting. He didn't say that. That's not what he said. If you really look this up in the Greek, that word will make you is poieo. What that literally means is follow me and I will construct, I will craft, I will produce, and I will form you into a man who catches men. Now, the last time I constructed something with a hammer and a nail, there was some hitting that went from the hammer to the nail to the board. And I'm just glad I wasn't the hammer, the nail, or the board. But one time, I was the nail because I missed the nail and got the nail. I wasn't a part of the construction project, but in the moment, I did. And the construction wasn't fun when I was out of place. Jesus said, follow me and I'll make you into something. Follow me on this. John, he said, if you'll follow me, I'm going to make you. I'm going to make you. I didn't say it would be comfortable all the time, John, but I'm going to make you. And if you'll let me make you, John, in the end, you're going to be exactly who I've called you to be. But, but in the making process, it's not always comfortable. In the making process, it's not always easy. In the making process, it's not always fun sometimes. Ask our staff right now. He's making something out of us, but it's not always fun at the time. We're going through an amazing thing, but it hasn't always been fun, but he's constructing something out of us. He's building something out of us that's going to be better than we've ever imagined. He's building it, and we've got to trust him as we follow him that he's going to make me somebody, but it's not always going to be comfortable in my making. Now listen, he didn't say I'll break you into somebody. He did not say that. He said, I'm going to make you into somebody. So a lot of y'all who said, well, I just came to Jesus and I just got so broken. No, I want you to come to Jesus and get made whole. And if your definition of broken is his definition of whole, you need to change your dadgum terminology. Sorry, I got a little fired up on that one. I'm tired of Jesus and the Father getting a bad rap that he's going to break you. He's not going to break you. He's going to make you. But if his making is defined as your breaking, then you need to get on his page and quit asking him to get on your page because he's trying to make you into something. He's crafting you into something. He's molding you into something. He's building you into something. And it's not always easy. It's not always fun. But in the end, I look at Peter and he denied Christ just like he prophesied. But I remember when he was reinstated. And Peter became 
exactly who Jesus was making him to be. Today, the Father wants to make something out of you. And the one takeaway that I want you to walk away from everything this morning is this. There's more to it. There's more to it. There's more to this Christian walk than I've been walking. There's more to the input than I've been getting. There's more to the, to the things that I've been missing. There's more to the drive home, leaving this church parking lot, than I've ever realized. Father, encounter me while I'm stuck on this dadgum FM road for 20 minutes in a traffic jam. So instead of cursing the very opportunity you have because you're not getting to your restaurant quick enough, have an encounter with him and begin to praise him that you're a part of a church that's growing in amazing ways that we actually got traffic jam problems. And say, God, if there's something that amazing there that people are coming that we got traffic jam problems, open my eyes to see it because I'm not seeing the fullness of it. I want the ministers to come this morning. And y'all hurry up and get right with Jesus because we're closing this thing down quick. So stand with me this morning.